listening to Nerds on Film with Roxy Nobert, Sean Moriarty, Gina Giovanetti, and Brian Moriarty. Uh, no, I will say I just saw uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. How was it? Dude. <laughs> He's going to die one day making one of these <laughs> movies. And we're all going to still see it. Like, the stunts in this movie are out of this world nutso. He does a fucking halo drop for realsies. And then the whole time I'm like sitting in the theater, like my hands are up in my face and like, I shouldn't be this invested in the mission impossible movie. This like far along, but it is so good. For it those of us so fun. who don't know what a halo drop is. High altitude, oh, it's like low, um, low open, low open means I, basically means you, you jump from the highest altitude possible and yeah. you yeah. deploy your parachute at the lowest possible point oh, essentially like you're the last possible second oh my god yeah yeah and you're essentially just above like you're you are at the brink of the atmosphere when isn't that jump. like his mental status at this point well yeah it's like, actually isn't that tom cruise in general basically yeah i'm pretty sure he's syphilitic at this point <laughs> oh I'm, um i'm straight up convinced that the seventh one because i'm sure there will be a seventh one because this one made boatloads of money he's gonna go to space like he's gonna beat fast <laughs> and the furious and he's gonna be like mission it's because impossible he's- in space He's brilliant. He is pay- he is having studios pay for two things. One, his adrenaline junkie problem. He's like, I figured it out. I'll just do all these movies and they'll pay for me and give crazy insurance to do all these crazy like uh, extreme sports things. Two, every movie, he's trying to get closer and closer to finding Xenu in space. <laughs> he's leveling up. <laughs> That's funny. Well, also... If he dies, that's just going to market the movie even better. It's like look Randy at what Lee happened. He broke crow. his fucking leg, mm-hmm. and they kept it. Didn't they keep that? That was the shot they included in the movie. They they did a cut where like you see him jump. You don't actually see the leg breaking, but the scene of him getting up onto the building is mm-hmm. the shot of him like having just broken his leg, like limping away. Yeah, because I've seen the I, I saw the take of it. Like, is when it happened, they were like, "Oh, everyone look!" And I was watching the movie, and I was like, "Oh, that's the that's the take." They straight up used it. Yeah. <laughs> so damn. It's, but as a movie, it's also like, I, I mean, it makes me want to go back and watch all the other ones because they. It's just one issue after another after another, and this one, this one heavily plays into all the other movies. Um, I don't. Has anyone else seen it? No. I Not haven't yet. seen I really it. Want and to, it's though. because I need to catch up. I've seen every. I've seen one, two, and three, and I loved three, but I just didn't see the other ones, and everybody tells me that. Like four, five, six, these three are awesome. Yeah. It's funny, like I, I just realized as of recently that I've accidentally I've seen every Mission Impossible movie in theaters. Accidentally? Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I just like not trying to do it. I've just uh, seen them all in theaters. And so I really want to see this one before it leaves theaters. One ticket well. to Christopher Robin, please, and then it's Mission Impossible. And he's like, Oh, I didn't pay for this. This is weird. <laughs> this is how it made so much money. Waste not want not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, no, I, I would highly I recommend saw... it. It's fun. Are, are you saying that Mission Impossible is like a timeshare presentation at an all-inclusive resort? You're like, <laughs> one ticket to this. Oh, God, I'm in the presentation again. <laughs> I've seen the last one, uh... but I haven't seen this one. Um, nor Which one is the one with Sandy Newton? That, uh, that was the second uh, two. one. That's two. That was two. John Woo. That's the worst one. Yeah, but honestly, That's the worst one, really... Hands down. Yeah, yeah, but honestly, Lucky. basically, ever since Bad Robot has been producing the movies, mm. they've all had a very cohesive and continuous plotline with the same characters, the same overall plot. So from three through this movie are all more closely connected than the first two movies. Oh, yeah. No, uh, well, well, this well, yeah, one... Because you can't, you can't go the, from Brian De Palma and make a hard right onto John Woo. That's 
crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, this one, this one sort of brings a lot of elements back. Like it, it harkens back even to the the original one. Uh, oh wow, the first sweet. One. Wow. And it's not it's not overt. It's subtle. And so if you've watched the original one enough times, you, you'll pick up on something. And I remember I, I picked up on it, and then I went online and looked up the answer, and I realized I was right. And I was like, that's that's a deep cut. Like well played I, because it's I, not a very in your face moment. I mean, I always look out for Ving Rhames whenever I watch a Missing Impossible movie because he always reminds me, you know, he brings me back to the first one. And totally. he was a big part of the reason why I loved the first one. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Tom, can I, be, can I be in the next Mission Impossible movie? Um, I do want to actually do take That's a moment, pride, though. That's fucking with you. I do want to take a moment, though, and congratulate Dave because he just got a really, really big gig and we can't talk about what, what it is. Yeah, but I, I will say... That Dave just got a gig working on a in the movie a very major motion picture. We'll it's say that. a big it's time Sex movie in the City Three, isn't it? Yeah, it's Sex in the City Three. Knew um, it, called it. We're going to Egypt. Yes. Um, I know last time. <laughs> but know, wait, they, they don't were. have cranberry juice in Egypt. <laughs> That's the main plot line. Uh, you know, Samantha is trying to find cranberry juice, and the girls go with her on an excursion. It's a it's a coming of age tale about cranberry <laughs> juice and them, and as friends and and Mitty's um, politics, right? Samantha gets fucked by a bushman. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's not even. Oh yeah, Sean, totally not even yeah. in the right part of the world at that point. Yeah, um, well, Mr. Uh, bushman uh, uh, to you, it's John T. Bushman Esquire. <laughs> I'll tell you this: it's not a major, it's not a motion picture that you're going to see in the theaters, but it is something that is. Uh, that a, a small fan base has been wanting to see and uh, I've been wanting to see. And so, um, and it's also, it, I mean, where I'm working is pretty dope. I mean, I don't know, like they never said like, you can't tell people where you work, but they did have me sign an NDA in my interview. So, so then stop right there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. But I know they it's can't, tempting, but you but can't, but you can't lie and say that you're not working. So you're working, and yeah. I am working. You no, are gainfully employed. It is, it is uh, we're in pre-production, uh, pre-pre-pre-production, and I think in the next couple of months they'll start filming. So it's a job that'll take me at least till December. But it's uh, it's pretty cool. Pretty yeah. awesome. What's pre-pre-pre-production? Is that just like setting fake ferns in the office space? Yes. writing team and stuff yes that's exactly yeah. it yeah well dave i'm very excited to see your straight to crackle movie ha! yeah straight to crackle yeah yeah sex in the city three search for cranberry Great. that's what's what <laughs> coming out we'll be seeing tons of uh commercials in between or the same other shows on crackle over over the exact same ad over and yeah. over and over again you're just gonna be bringing um kim cattrall brown m&ms the whole time that's exclusively yeah. what they hired me for. They said in my little contract that like you are the brown M M&M and M guy. We couldn't hire anybody that was actually brown because they would have said that was racist. Um, so we had to Roxy, hire a white guy. It's actually the title is M M&M and M Wrangler. I just want to <laughs> make sure that's very clear. <laughs> it's a very specific job. Touché. Like I mean, if you're not on, you're off, and uh-huh. and they will fire you. They will cut you so fast. They will murder you so in fast. cold blood. <laughs> Yeah, they'll murder me and then they'll cut me. It's a very strange thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like you can never die on Disneyland's property, but you did. But like no one. It's less messy that, that way. On Disney. Yeah, it's if less they strangle you to death and your heart dies, then when they cut you afterwards, you don't bleed. It's already your, your blood's that, that's, what, yeah. what is so fucking just stupid is if they had actually set a production in New York where the whole fucking show takes place, he could just go to Times Square's M and M store and just get a shitload of brown M and Ms without having to separate them. There you go. This is true. There you yeah, go. but you know what? By the color. But wait, Brian or, or David, did you just say that you worked for Disney? No, 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 no. 
I was saying like uh, them murdering me would be like when they say that, you know, someone like technically people haven't actually died on the Disneyland property. So as the urban myth says, like they wait till That's like you're myth. off. They, the urban myth states that like they wait till you're off the property to be like, yeah, and he's dead because they don't want it to have dead bodies on the on the happiest place on the earth. Um, <laughs> but there have been multiple people who have died. Uh, yeah, Mickey shanked some folks. Yeah. In Disneyland really or on the Disney lot at the filming studio? No, in Disneyland. There are multiple Oh, I've never been to the Disney lot, no. Oh, yeah. I thought you were talking about There was that story of those two kids. Oh, no, no. Um, the two kids that tried to swim really to Tom Oiler's, uh, as as I know. Tom Sawyer's Island. You guys don't remember this? Yeah. The two kids yeah, that went to Tom Sawyer's right. Island, one made it back, one died. There was someone. Someone. Someone had a. Someone was was killed on one of the People Movers in like what? the seventies. Oh um, I think someone was actually killed on Big Thunder too. <gasps> yeah. Someone. And that's the crazy part because Big Thunder's haunted. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. That's so crazy. It's I that had no goat, idea. Man, that fucking goat. It looks at you. Oh my god. It knows you. It really you. does. It. it I fucked you really hard. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. It's like it's when like staring into gonna, you. When are they just gonna make a movie about like a bunch of kids in Disneyland? Okay, someone seriously, did. <laughs> seriously, if they made a Big Thunder Mountain movie, Ooh, I would so go see that. I want the trailer for that movie right goddamn now. Ain't I want it right. Issue. You know they're yes. going to make it because they're making Jungle Cruise. That's true, and I'm looking oh, forward God. to that too because it's going to start the rock, Oh my right? God. Yeah. Two Jungle hours Cruise. and 15 minutes of puns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with, with Eric's with favorite the rock, movie. Uh, with the rock and Emily Blunt. Yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm for it. I'm totally for it. If, especially if they if they lit up straight up rip off the plot to the African Queen, and they just like make it comedic, I I would be so for that. Oh my god, that'd be so funny. Yeah, I would see a, I, I would you, see though, a trailer for uh, for Big Thunder. That'd be a fun movie. I would, but you know what? It would probably the movie would probably disappoint the shit out of us, kind of like what happened with the Lone Ranger. Oh my God! Well, oh. speaking of well, see, disappointing movies, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nerds on Film. I am Brian Moriarty. I'm Roxy Noberry. I'm Sean Moriarty. And with us again is Dave McGuire. Oh, sorry. Hey. <laughs> welcome hey, back, Dave. Dave, here's what's crazy. Yeah, you and I started this crazy little podcast six years ago. We were six years ago. We had already started recording our, uh, yeah, our first episode of Nerds on Film. Wow, I remember. That's fucking crazy! And look how far we have fallen. Almost two hundred episodes, people. This is episode one ninety six that we are recording. Wow. I remember it happening. Like we went to go see the Dark Knight. Dark Knight uh, Rises. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Dark Knight Rises. Uh, and I remember being actually. I think it was either that night that we saw it or it was a couple of days later that we actually recorded. But I remember us being in the parking lot of AMC 14 and talking about it and um, being like, we should do a thing called a podcast. And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is a podcast? Like, well, that's never going to take off. Dave was, Dave was very reluctant. He's like, okay, when are you going to finish my, our movie? And that was basically those oh, yeah. thoughts oh that were going through our head. Dave I was like, yeah, that's cool. His- we can move on to a new project. But uh, about that other one, when are we going to finish it? Oh, Dave. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you guys are back together. Dave, welcome back to the show. Oh, Good thank you, guys. You. It's I great that I can see you. I think the, uh, it's been you. at least... Brian, how long have you been married now? Uh, four weeks. Yeah. Yes, weeks. Nerds on Film, 25% more married. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, 25% more married. Uh, I'm the last single <laughs> nerd standing. Save me. Send hey, help. Sarah's Don't not married. Gina's not married. I'm said I'm the last single nerd. 
Oh. So I mean, they're legally single, but yeah. they are, but they are. No, I, I see what you no, mean. They're, they're just in relationships. single. I'm, I'm, I'm. No, I mean, okay, legally single. That's like the saddest thing I've ever heard. You're no. legally and socially single is what you're saying. When you fill out your W nine, you put single to married. Those are the two things that fucking matter to me. Oh my god. And you know what? Sarah and her man have been together long enough that I think she's right about to start to turn up the pressure on you better get me a fucking ring. Oh, I'm sure she's gonna love hearing that. Oh yeah. <laughs> I can hear the feedback it just happens. clicking away. Uh, well, I mean, to be honest, I mean her boyfriend is finishing grad school right now, so there's that element to it. Her boyfriend's just denying the inevitable. That's all he's doing. So, you know. That's all he's doing. That's it. Sorry. Okay, she'll, she'll marry that dog and she'll steal the dog. Okay, so anyway. She'll marry look. Chester. <laughs> yeah. So basically, let's let's get to the main topic, okay? Yeah. So we had this idea. Well, actually, Dan Animal had this marriage. idea of talking about trailers that were super well cut together. Oh, like, so fuck well. yes, I want to see this movie right now. And then when we saw that, we're like, what? The shit is this. Like, Don't you hate when that Because so many times, and I know we've all experienced this, everyone that's in here right now and also people who are listening, you see a trailer and you're like in the movie theater, the lights have just dimmed, you got the popcorn, you got the drink, and then this trailer comes out and it blows your fucking mind. Like you're just, you're, you're thrown back into the back of your seat, your mouth is agape because you're just like, oh my God, that looks so good. You lose all the feeling showing... from your jaws to your balls, basically. <laughs> yeah, like your balls are tingling, like someone's like playing with them, with them slightly and you're like, oh, I'm going to come. to that. <clears throat> and then like wow. you go to the movies because you've seen the ads on the TV and you're like, oh, the TV ads are even better. And then you sit down and you got the popcorn and then you walk out. Going, and then it's like, just that <laughs> but Brian, Brian, in my defense, I knew Justice League was going to be a piece of shit when the, I mean, not very well received, I should say. Well, that's the sad when, thing, too, is that a good chunk of these movies are directed by Zack Snyder, unfortunately. No! I don't see, I, see, I don't think it's his problem. I think what the thing that we'll get into is like, you've got, and I think the thing that maybe most people don't understand is that it's not the filmmakers that are making the trailers. It's a marketing team that gets hired out by the yeah. studio. And they come in and they, they basically have to like, do their, their, their accomplishments are, they have a few things that they have to accomplish. A, they have to grow interest. B, they have to yep. sort of semi give away some of the plot to sort of pique the interest. And B, they want money shots. Like they need things, like half the time, if you notice like things that are in the trailers never make it into the movie. It's like, it's made specifically for the trailer just to be like, I wanna see that. And then you you never see that. Right, it's what we kind of, it's it's not a common term, but it's what we call a sizzle reel, mm. basically. Sizzle reel, yeah. Yeah, and sizzle reel is more common for TV shows. Yeah. Um, but it's essentially the same idea is you show a bunch of really cool, very interesting shots and you string them together in a way that kind of makes sense. And then you don't, mm -hmm. and so that's basically how you get a teaser together. And you don't really divulge more of the plot until you see like a full trailer. Like, we, um, yeah. like Rogue One, like there's that shot where Jyn Erso's in the hallway and she's like wearing that black suit and then and like all like, the lights. It's a rebellion, she, right? Go no, no, rebel. no, but it's like, it's her by herself and she's like in this hallway that's like white uh, with the white light. It's assuming that she's like on an emperor's or like an empire ship. Right. And the camera sort of like pushes into her. That's yep. not in the movie at all. And like you can even hear the director, I think at Gareth Edwards, he's like, yeah, we just, we had that set and we're like, wouldn't it be cool if, and then they shot it. And then it made it into the trailer, but it's never going to go. Yeah, they put her in a stormtrooper, like an imperial pilot uniform, just to. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Off. Okay, yeah. well, who would like to start with their list of um, not so? Well, happy I'm going to do. I'm going to. I'm. Oh, okay. I was. I was. I, have a, the I don't have a off. list. I have one. I have but one, and I think it's a great way to start <laughs> the conversation. Okay, Brian, you ready for this? Mm. Don't judge, 
I'm judging already because you said always not to. Judging you. Okay. Judging you is one of my pastimes. I know. Yeah, it's really I, fucking hypocritical considering I you're a therapist. Judging. Well, I mean, your oh, job is not to judge. Shit. Your job is not. Sean was yeah, literally she, brought into this world to judge you. You're not here to judge or take sides. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but that's only when she's at work. She's off duty right now. She can judge all the fuck she wants. I can judge judge you away, Roxy. Until I fucking keel over from judging you. Okay. Batman and Robin. Brand? Uh, Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin. (laughs) If you remember the trailer that was the teaser trailer that was released in ninety seven, circa around February, it had I mean the first shot you see is Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze with a very looming monologue. Mm Of, my name is Freeze. Learn it well. Learn it what well. is the chilling sound of your doom? And and there's also the bit where he like freezes a guy to death. And yep. it like it's like, holy shit, what are we in for? <laughs> and like my love life. Right. And they used You're in for the, a toy commercial. Right, a two hour toy commercial. They used <laughs> they used Danny Elfman's score for yeah. it. So they really struck no, me. They're like, didn't. oh my God, this movie's going to be awesome. Brian, they didn't use Danny Elfman's score from Batman Forever Forward. They used the, uh, Elliot, was it, who is it? Elliot Goldsmith. Who does that Correction. score from? Elliot Goldenthal, yes. But listen. Elliot up. Goldenthal, thank you. So hang on. So let me let me correct you on that one. So you're, you're right. Elliot Goldenthal scored Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. However, when they made the trailers for Batman Forever, they used only Danny Elfman's score, and Batman and Robin was actually a mixture. They used a little bit of Elliot Goldenthal's score, but they closed it with the ending theme from Batman, 89. So. I'm sorry, Brian. I've blacked out a lot of the late 90s due to our parents' divorce. Tell me more about that. All right, this is good. This is good. Let it out. It's cathartic. It's cathartic. Let it happen. Let it flow. I just want to kill all the time. Can you I say argue, that? Is this a place I could say that? You could argue that your parents being together was a trailer that was awesome, but a movie but that didn't was play. Play. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Sorry, guys. Oh, that's I'm so sorry. Great. That's, yeah. That's amazing oh, wow. trailer. Sorry, Mr. Moriarty. Underwhelming <laughs> story arc. I just had to say it. I had the opening and I had to shoot. I had oh, to That's do it. good. Oh my God. Brian, I would agree with you. Um, I'm going to add on to the DC world. Man of Steel. Man, no, I do agree. Because even though I love Man of Steel, even despite the problems I, I have with it, it did. That movie, that opening trailer with the whole mon- monologuing of with, uh, Ke- Russell yeah, with Crow. Ke- yeah, well, oh yeah, yeah, that one. And then, didn't they, they cut in both, right? Wasn't it also... Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't there two? Like one of them was Ca- uh, uh, Pa Kent, and then the other one was Russell Crowe. Yeah, and there was one that was, was both. Like, yeah, yeah, it was one that was both. And like, there's like the great conversation of uh, his, you know, like, well, should I have let them die? Like maybe. And like, you see, like Henry Cavill with his, uh, you know, grizzled mustache, which wasn't a problem then, but later it does become a problem. Um, beard, David. The man had an entire beard. He had an entire beard. Uh, but it's like, I remember watching that trailer because I think, in fact, Brian, uh, to make it full circle, I'm pretty sure they showed that before Dark Knight Rises. They did. They showed and it. And I remember it watching it going like, this looks 
fucking amazing. Like, it, I, I was like, I'm all for it. You know, it's kind of gritty. Uh, Superman's going to be like trying to figure himself out. I'm totally okay with that. And like, maybe in the last 10 minutes, he'll get the suit. Who knows? Like, it'll be like Batman Begins, where like he doesn't really get the suit until well into about, the movie. about halfway through. And, which, and which, which is true. He doesn't get the suit until about halfway through. Yeah. But his but, character um, development but was, it, but was the, the character development was, and I remember being like, I'm so ready. And like, that score. Like the uh, the fucking Hans Zimmer score with like the drums, and I'm like, this is cool. I mean, yeah, they actually pre-scored. He had written the Man of Steel theme for the trailer, wow. and he continued that use. I remember for the movie. even us talking through our nerd uh, thread at the time. Like Sean downloaded that and was like listening to it at the gym <laughs> as his oh, like yeah. as like his running it off music. Of YouTube. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, remember this... Sean and I having that whole episode where we talked about Superman and how we were so excited about Man of Steel, and we never and really I remember, talked about it after that. I remember, wow. and this is this is how much I remember from Man of Steel. I remember we went as a group. We saw it opening night or the night before in one of those preview screenings. This was when uh, Satorius was still on the show, and I guess he had already seen it once, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, and you so, guys were, we recorded a pre-show when you guys were at the theater. I remember yes. listening to that, yeah. and then. We we got out of the theater and everyone started bagging on it and Satorius got so pissed that he like literally just walked away from the conversation and went home. Like we're in the middle of like discussing it and he's like, and he like walked away. <laughs> like, Don't make fun of my friends. Meh. Hey, he doesn't walk away from things and not finish what he star the podcast. I forgot. Bam. <laughs> um, Thank you for making me a podcast. That aside, it was it was a disappointment because it's like I remember that trailer being like an amp up. And then you saw it, and you're like, "Oh, it's a flat note," and I'm not happy. Nope. No, they were like, "Yeah." And they were like, "Here's Batman movie. versus Superman," and even then, like, I was hypercritical. Like since yeah. then, like, I've been hypercritical of everything uh, that's come out. But yeah, that was like yeah. the one that really hit me. Well, the thing that, but yeah, the thing that I think the one note you can say with all the official DC extended universe movies is that I know for me, my experience is going in and seeing the problems with me, but putting myself in a state of forced denial to get through watching the movie so I don't walk out. And then going to see it again a week later and say, okay, there are some things actually, I still can't enjoy this movie, but fuck, is there a lot of problems with it? Yeah. Uh, and that's yeah. been consistent with with Dark, with Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and with, Sorry. unfortunately, with Justice League as well. Um, right. I mean, Suicide Squad, Vanessa oh, and I just turned our brains off. That trailer was a work of art. It was a music video. Totally. Gorgeous. And, and, and that's the thing. That's the first time I think I can know in, in motion picture history where they had the trailer house edit the movie. Yeah. Because they like their they wanted to see, oh, we'll have the, the, the regular editor cut it and we'll have the trailer house do the cut. I and they released the trailer house. I was cut. I was pissed from the first opening shot of the movie. Totally. That's how much the movie pissed but me. But I w- what I will say is great closing credit sequence and that twenty one pilot song Heathens is actually a really awesome way of closing yeah. the movie. Could you argue that There's you were a... happy with the closing credit sequence because the movie was fucking over? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> I, I'm with you, Roxy. I remember when I I was watching that movie and it started it felt like i had jumped into a, a, a movie that had already been going for a while yeah. and i was so like off they, kilter i was they like edited what? it completely incorrectly it, it was, was so strange fun. like it yeah. was like it, dc presents the <clears throat> fast and the furious right? if it was me like yeah, i would have started with because they like introduced characters twice yeah uh, like I would have started with uh, what's her bucket having that dinner with everybody yes that's exactly where i would have started totally. they should have switched them yeah yeah yeah. And, and so instead strange. they fucked it up. Yeah, I, it would have been great to actually, yeah, because the opening of Superman being dead and everything and doing that voiceover and stuff was, it was, 
it was a little wonky. I'm like, okay, cool, get it. We now know where this exists in the DC timeline, mm-hmm. but I do agree. The the scene between Amanda Waller and Bruce Wayne, is that what you're talking That's about? The that she dinner at the end would have been, I mean, it was a great way of segueing into Justice League, but at the same time, they didn't really sense what was coming. So, it yeah. Just, yeah, they didn't do a great job of ensuring, and, and this is, a, that goes in, inherently down to what DC's problem is, is they don't have one person because Warner Brothers is very adamant about each director having their own autonomy. They don't have one person more uh, assertively There's, guiding the process like Kevin Feige does. I thought they did. I thought I thought Jeff Johns was doing that. Well, he Jeff Johns was, was the one in charge, and now he stepped down, which is unfortunate because the two movies that he was successful at was like Wonder Woman, and people are arguing that Shazam and uh, Aquaman, which he had a heavier hand in, might actually be what saves the DC extended universe, and now he's stepped away from that role in DC films because he's because he's going to be producing work instead now. Um, but basically, what it comes down to is he wasn't like Kevin Feige because Kevin Feige would go to a writer or director and say, "You can't do that because we're doing this in this film." Uh, he yeah. would control that. Whereas D- Warner Bros. is like, "Well, we'll let him do that, and we'll just make it work with the other movies." No, we want to have magic. two Joker. Mo- you want to have two Joker movies at the same time? Yeah, we do. Okay, great. Are they going to yeah. be? Uh, are they going to be the same character? No, they're going to be completely different actors. Yeah. love it. Well, in a way, love if you it. think about it, and Damon Lindelof said this actually in a podcast interview recently. And I actually, it's a brilliant description. Kevin Feige was the showrunner of the Marvel movie universe. Yes, hmm. he absolutely he was basically is. acting as a showrunner, and I was like, oh my god, that's a brilliant way of, of describing it. DC Films needs a showrunner. Uh. Well, when you when you look at it that way, like all the like uh, someone who was reviewing Ant Man and the Wasp said it perfectly. They're like, it's a good episode in the Marvel TV show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, you're yeah. right. It's not in it's the not the best Marvel thing that they've produced. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, they made a good episode. It was entertaining. It set some shit up. And then it also connected back to the overall arcing theme in the mid-credits. They sequence. don't, and they don't, I mean, they don't even need to fucking shrink anything in that movie. For me, you could just have two hours of Michael Pena talking and I will go see every <laughs> Ant-Man movie. Oh my God. That's someone someone saying that Michael Pena needs to like, for the for Infinity War Part 2, needs to summarize every Marvel movie that's happened and get everyone back to they act to out do- their, their lines. <laughs> They need to do that as as like a marketing thing. Like, remember how they had like Paul Rudd and Michael Douglas just like slapping their chest and be like, Ant Man, ants. Yeah. Like, they just need to have Michael Pena be like, okay, so this is what happened. Like, so Tony Stark was inside of a desert, right? And then he gets captured by people. And then he's all like, oh my God. (laughs) Totally. That's and then crazy. at the end, this guy named Nick Fury shows up and says, I'm here to form the Avengers. I'm like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, if they did that, that would be, like, one of the best marketing things. Like, they would, oh, I would love them forever if they did that. <laughs> Sean, what's your uh, what's yeah. your trailer? Seanzi, what do you want? So this one is, oh, this so one or Roxy. is pretty recent. Or Sean or Roxy. Seanzi, go. Oh. All right. Well, this one was fairly recent. Actually, no, I'm getting old now. This one was, like, 10 years ago. Shit. Uh, but it was a trailer that got me really fucking excited, and it was for Terminator Salvation, Ooh. the one with uh, Christian Bale. Yeah. The, the fucking trailer was so epic, it yeah. utilized that Nine Inch Nails song that mm-hmm. just digs inside you, <laughs> and then they showed that, I think, uh, that was a trailer they showed that ran with the, the Dark Knight. It was 2008, <laughs> and it came out in 2009, and I thought, oh my god, the Terminator series is back. That third one was a shitty cash grab. It looks like they're going darker. It looks like they might be bringing elements in from like the comic books. What I didn't realize was I was going to be bored to tears. That movie is, it's and it's similar to the way Prometheus' trailer kind of lied to everybody. Oh they showed God. you every action scene in the movie 
in the trailer, and then the movie is like 10% action. Oh, mm-hmm. That was one of mine, Sean. I'm glad you brought up Prometheus. <laughs> yeah, I would say, I remember uh, when Salvation came out, I had just turned 21, and I went to Red Robin. Uh, on a, like, I took myself to Red Robin over no. by West Valley and by AMC 14, and like, I got my first beer. I was like, I'm gonna have a beer at lunch because I'm an adult now. Mm-hmm. And like, I got pretty toasty, and I was like, I'm gonna go see Terminator Salvation. That's gonna be a great way to ride this buzz. Mm-hmm. 10 minutes in, the buzz was killed. Like, I was just so just like, oh my god, <laughs> this movie <laughs> just doesn't stop. You know, it was a better movie, <laughs> you guys. The fucking behind-the-scenes clip uh, showing Christian Bale going <laughs> off on that production assistant or the sound editor or whatever. Yeah. Oh, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> Wasn't he? I think he was there for an eyeline. He was literally. He was just a stand-in for an eyeline, and he walked. No, across. someone walked. Done sh- professionally. Someone walked Mike. behind him. Yeah. Like he was in an eyeline, and someone walked behind the person that he was looking at and like distracted him. Oh God. Yeah, and do he, I mess with your lights? Do I, do I touch your lights? lights? And also, he admittedly, like they, because when they went that, when they released that, like the next day, they got him on the phone, and he was like, "Oh man, no, I'm telling you, no one in the world feels worse about that conversation than I do right now." Because, mm. yeah, you know, I mean, it, he had it a bad day. When, I mean. I, Sean and I have been known to go on an eco trip every now and again. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, really? yeah, really. No. That's the understatement no. of my lifetime. Yeah, and if what? someone were to replay those moments, it's like defending your life. If someone would replay those moments, <laughs> I would probably, um, I probably would just uh, jump off of You're a building. You're going to burn in hell, Brian. No. I love the fact that that <laughs> Sean <Obligatory> church visits. <clears throat> Can I just say that Sean just laughed, and the way I heard it, it's he sounded like one of the aliens from Galaxy Quest. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 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 I have ego trips every now and again. <laughs> oh my god, you guys. Oh we my god. Have my, I'm sorry that I do that. <laughs> That's literally oh. Brian every time he apologizes for one of his like temper tantrums you too Sean. mea culpa well, mea maxima culpa <laughs> but that's all you can do though all you can do is apologize and try to do better oh so. you mobros and your temper tantrums uh. there's option number three as Don Rickles says why don't you move out to the woods and don't bother people <laughs> uh, yes two emotionally stunted men oh. whose wives will probably resort to liquor to survive um, <laughs> okay yeah. my tour or wait or Dave do you want to go no, no you had one uh, I, per- I don't have one. I have three. And I You're, think my, yours. My, my third one is going to outdo you all. So I'd rather you go so I can oh, watch okay. you just um, Well, uh, Sean did Terminator okay. Salvation. That was on mine. The other one I had was Pearl Harbor. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Actually, the year totally. is 2000 or early 2001. <laughs> I think it was a summer release. And you got this. Like, it's, it's post-Saving Private Ryan. And all of a sudden, you're seeing... Uh, jets flying over Hawaii, bombing <laughs> boats. Kids are playing baseball. Josh it's very like patriotic and propaganda like. And um, then you're hearing the real FDR speech in the background of the day that will live in infamy. And you're just watching this thing. And even Ben Affleck's face shows up, and you're like, Ben Affleck's in this fucking movie. What is this about? And it's like, oh my god, it's about Pearl Harbor. <laughs> and look Dave at, went. Look, 
<laughs> Dave went, I love Ben Affleck and I hate the Japs. This is going to be great. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my God. Sean, oh, we have man. Japanese cousins. How could you? <laughs> no, I know, but that's the way they spoke back then. <laughs> yeah. That's what they referred to them as. Akbar. That's true. In Sean's true. defense, and they did say that a lot in the movie, but I remember watching that and going like, this looks like it's going to be the next Saving Private Ryan. We, they cracked the code. It's going to be amazing. And then when you watched it, you were like, oh, it's a love triangle movie with some more stuff it happening is. in the background. Oh, and Josh Hartnett's in it? Oh, yes, okay. Josh Hartnett. Okay. Is that Alec Baldwin? Yeah, that's Alec well, Baldwin. No, Dave, yeah. Dave, it's your fault, though. Okay, honestly. No matter how awesome the trailer is, and you're like, this is going to be so great. At the very end of the trailer, when it goes, a film by Michael Bay, you go, oh, never mind. That's when you're supposed to know that it's going to be shitty. But see, but you know what? Though? I, I I disagree because, and also, I'm going to I'm gonna play the young kid card because that came out uh, when I was in seventh grade. And oh, in fact, yeah. I remember I took my first girlfriend to go see that movie. And we both walked out of it going like that was a that was a pile of crap. That was it was. We were Can you please put your finger in me to make me forget? We're in high school. <laughs> we're in junior high. That's what people do. Can you? Yeah. But yeah, I remember that being like, and I remember my dad was like really like excited too because like he's a huge war movie kind of guy, and he was all like jazzed to go see it. And then he walked away going like, oh god, that was terrible. Ugh. And he like I remember like someone got it on DVD when it came out. And like he literally fast forward through all the love stuff just to get to the battle sequences and be like, okay, stop. Let's watch that. <laughs> oh, oh, that's pretty cool. Okay, battle sequences were filmed very well. There is, yeah. if you just cut all those sequences out of that movie and watch them back to back, it's pretty darn cool. Like when that bomb, like when that torpedo falls from the sky and it's following it into the boat, like that's a great sequence. Like it looks cool, um, but you've got like this really weird love story thing going on. I mean, come on. Yeah. We all thought it was going to be his, like, this was going to be his Oscar contender. They, they positioned it as one. You thought it was going to be not like a nominated um you're like the guy from armageddon he made a, a a war epic that's amazing he's gonna redeem himself and then he just made himself into the butt of every joke yeah i just and the problem is it just the movie keeps going oh my god it's the, the, the battle is over <laughs> like oh my god that was that was really really powerful wait why but the brian starting? brian why they the can't, rolled up brian they can't walking. just leave it on us being attacked there has to be showing some americans going in and that's the Doolittle raid and then the two friends have to make up brian they have to make up with each other and one of them has to die in a dramatic i remember to this day just how cheesy it is that he's like you're gonna be a dad and he's like no you are <laughs> and it's just like oh god Hey, it's just as cheesy as Armageddon when fucking uh, uh, hey, Bruce hey, Willis and Ben Affleck go mouth. down when to ben the surface Affleck of the crying, asteroid. He's like, I and love he you. He's like, no, Harry, no. I no, love you, Harry. Dude, I still cry at that. And he's like, goodbye, son. Take care of Gracie for me. It's like, oh, even Bruce Willis can make me have. So, fun fact. Uh, I yep. go to a 24-hour fitness. This is I'll tie this in, I promise. Did you go there on purpose? Yes, I did, oh, purposely. You didn't get lost? <laughs> to run. Oh. Wow, thank you. I don't know why people go there on purpose anymore. I, I just, you stumbled I, in there by accident. Just, you just it's don't not look on you, like Brian. you go I just, there, I think, is what I don't trust 24-hour. Oh. So anyway, I was. they now have a throwback Thursday oh, where they show old music videos oh, shit. on their TVs. And I was running. I was like, wait a second, Aerosmith, wait, they're still doing new music? And I realized, holy yes, shit, it's, it's the song from Armageddon music video. And they cleverly cut the end where, it, where uh, Liv Tower's getting upset at her father's a real father's picture as opposed to uh, Ben, oh, sorry, uh, Bruce Willis's <laughs> yeah. picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, funny. Yeah. I tied it in. I tied it in. Good job, Brian. Okay. 
Gold star um, for you. I honestly, so personally, I don't have any more trailers to share because to me, Batman Robin was like the epitome of disappointment. Oh, I've got a few. All right, motherfucker. I've got Are you ready? Few. Are you ready for my list? Ryan. Go do it, Roxy. Fucking murder it. Okay, so my first one I have to fucking mention because it's slightly topical. It's a movie that came out in 2017. It stars Michael Fassbender and it's called The Snowman. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That looks so cool. Yeah, it just came out on HBO. So you can totally catch it on HBO Go. Um, It stars Michael Fassbender and Rebecca Ferguson as detectives in, uh, I believe, the Netherlands. Might mm-hmm. be in Sweden. Well, it's it's based off of a, a really popular book. Um, and it's somewhere directed, where the landscape and the people are white. It's only. basically all white all the time because <laughs> it's also snowing. So yeah, um, it's directed by Thomas Alfredson, who directed uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy with um, Gary Oldman. And his style is very long and and very. It's it, he makes a lot of think pieces for films. He also directed the um, remake of Let the Right One In. Uh, mm. If you remember, that was Chloe, Ga- Chloe Grace Moretz's uh, like film debut. It got her extra extra famous. Anyway, I digress. So what happened with the snowman is that the preview when I first saw it, I, it was exactly what I wanted in a movie. It was totally like Silence of the Lambs meets Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Like it's totally suspenseful. It's a total murder mystery, and it's creepy as fuck. Okay, because it's about mm-hmm. the, the premise is, is there's a serial killer, and his um, calling card is a snowman that he always makes. And basically, Michael Fassbender is this totally burned out uh, cop who is brought onto the case last minute, and you follow his just you know efforts to try and catch the guy, and that's all you think it's going to be about. You know, just just a classic who done it. So what ended up happening was is there were all these development hell stories about the making of this movie. Turns out that the the book itself is quite complex and there's quite a few different storylines. There's a lot of background information. There's a lot of time spent going into some historical information because uh, Rebecca Ferguson's character has a deep connection to uh, this this case. And uh, Val Kilmer actually um, plays her father, who's a detective. What? And guys, they dubbed over his voice because <gasps> the poor man um, had, I believe, throat cancer. Yeah. Val yeah. Kilmer can't talk. He can barely move his own nope. mouth. But he's in yep. this film and someone has clearly dubbed over with an American man's voice. And they've done it so well, but it's so painful to watch because everyone knows, like, if you keep up with Val Kilmer, and it's quite, it's common knowledge that he was quite ill. And, he, I mean, he he's severely debilitated now. I don't know how they fucking pulled it off. I don't know what CGI magic they, you know, conjured, but they did. And it's just painful to watch that. And all of his scenes were painfully cut short because they ran out of time to film it. So this film, unfortunately, became victim to um, a lot of editing, over-editing. The director actually sort of disavowed it himself in the final cut. (laughs) Jesus. Um, and this wow. is a total mishmash. It has six, uh, I think, believe I believe 8% or 6% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, oh, that sucks. It's brutal, you guys. I watched it the well, other day. Well, because that, tra- 
the trailer was so fucking cool. And I feel like it's like we get duped, but I I believe the trailers again. I go, I forget that they're probably going to fuck me right up my butt. Unfortunately, (laughs) what ended up happening is that they tried to intertwine like four different movies into one movie and they completely fucked it up. Yeah. Well, that never works. J.K. Simmons plays a like European politician. That's interesting. (laughs) Okay. And you're just like, what the fuck? Where is he coming from? What's happening? I'm so confused. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that kind of it's weird. Um, it just made me think of about something when it came to to Batman and Robin as well, because that movie had is now the stories are coming out of how tumultuous that production process it was, was. Really bad. Like the fact that most people don't know that. George Clooney was cast as Batman at the last minute because Val Kilmer was actually going to do the movie up until like a month before shooting. Damn it. <laughs> and that George Clooney didn't even know he was cast oh as the part. God. They told him he was going to play Batman. It was a oh, very... Oh, because was he... Did he have a contract with them for a few movies? They're like, this is one of your movies, fucking he did. stick. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that Chris O'Donnell never actually shared the screen with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Wow. They always used each other's stunt, stunt doubles. Not for any dislike, just because the scheduling was so crazy. They used stand-ins yeah. for tons of stuff. So tons the of directors oh, really? Quoted... What the fuck was Chris O'Donnell doing? <laughs> just No, there's, their days were not matched up. That's all it was. It was more Arnold than Chris O'Donnell. Yeah. So the director is actually quoted as saying that about 10 to 15 percent of the screenplay was unfilmed. Um, he says that our shooting time in Norway was way too short. This is referring to the snowman, not Batman and Robin. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, Wait, we didn't Batman get and Robin was filmed in Norway? God damn. <laughs> and when we started cutting, we discovered that a lot was missing. It's like when you're making a big jigsaw puzzle and a few pieces are missing so you don't see the whole picture. It happened very abruptly. Suddenly we got noticed that we had the money and could start the shoot in London. And so they had a total lack of time to prepare. They missed a bunch from the script. I mean, it was a director's worst nightmare. So that this sounds is a film that's totally unrealized. Awful. You know what? It should have been directed by David Fincher. This is totally a movie up there his you alley. Go. <laughs> But unfortunately, it would have been a copycat of Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. And I think that's what this director was trying to emulate, and he totally fell or, flat. Or David Lynch. David Lynch probably yeah. could have turned a movie into that. You could that argue movie. that. Just creepy enough. Okay. I am going to make the snowman. <laughs> I'm going to intercut insects moving through. <laughs> for oh the the snowman pieces. will speak backwards <laughs> through the entire film. All right. So my next movie that I got that really gave me a ca- bad case of the blue balls um, was yeah. The Hobbit. Yeah. Oh. See, boys? See what I mean? Yeah. That which which one of the three theory. unnecessary? Yeah, which one? The first one? Which of the three unnecessary Hobbit movies are you speaking of? Uh, the first one. An Unexpected Journey. See, I would... So, uh, all of it. I mean, you can argue all three of them, but the first one we were all fucking excited because it was our first time back into... I'll Peter argue that true. the first one... I didn't see the third one. I saw the first one and I walked away going like, wasn't great, but I liked it. I liked it better... The, like I had some issues with it and then I saw the second one and I was like oh my god this mm. is yeah no I actually fell asleep on. watching the first one I fell asleep in the theater I was so sad I can see that yeah it was really I, just gnarly I will say I did like how they tied it in to Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. with um with like Elijah Wood at the start and then yeah. you know <clears throat> yeah it's like, that's, oh, I'm gonna go that's all good I, but I like there was I thought it was bl- clever but no I'm saying yeah it's it that is a case of them trying to it like. It wasn't nostalgic make... enough. Well, yeah, that they, movie, like the... yeah. Sorry, 
I was just gonna say that's just them trying to milk the cow. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I that mean, should not have been three movies. Well, it wasn't. It was supposed to be two. It was supposed to be two. And they decided to make it into three. And there was also the fact that Guillermo del Toro dropped out of directing the movie shortly before filming. Right. And so I, and by shortly, Jackson I mean had... six months. But nevertheless, they were heavily into pre-production. In movie time, that's fucking too close. That's yeah. very short. That's and two so weeks. Peter Jackson stepped in to direct from his I mean he was already producing the movie yeah. so he knew what was going on so he stepped in to direct the movie instead it's just such a damn shame how the they couldn't capture they couldn't recapture the magic from the original trilogy and yeah. in that sense you still have a loyal fan base that is is willing to to follow Peter Jackson's Jackson's um, creative vision no matter what and I still think there's a fan base that appreciates these three yeah. Um, just for the sake of, you know, finishing out the whole series, as it were. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we'd people had always been hoping that Peter Jackson would tackle these three. But, you know, all we're left with is comparing it to Peter to um, Ralph Bakshi. And, and that's not much to go off. Yeah. Of. Well, I'm actually kind of excited because <laughs> so, for well, Netflix, they've just greenlit a Lord of the Rings I mean, Rings I'm not going to talk shit about Ralph Bakshi because series. those movies are beloved. But I am excited about the Netflix. Amazon that's series. Hulu. Is it Hulu? Whatever. Hulu. Okay. Oh, Hulu, never, okay. Right? But oh, sorry, Amazon. I think it's yeah, Amazon. Dude, oh, sorry, Amazon. Amazon. My apologies, Amazon. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> you scared me there, David. Um, but what's you. interesting is it's not. I mean, they said Lord of the Rings, but it's really, honestly, it's just a Middle Earth series. Is it no, to, like, it's it's about Aragorn. Aragorn. It's about Aragorn. Okay. Oh, but shit, the really? thing is, that, like, a young Aragorn. There are things that are in the Lord of the Rings movies, and even in the Hobbit, they're like, wait, where was that ever described? And then it's like, oh, it's because it's from the Cimmerillion. Mm -hmm. And so Peter Jackson had a yep. deep enough love with the with the. Um, stories that they could so, dive into Tolkien's Luckily, canon. I think this new series is going to be re redemption time. Yeah, and they're going to pull even deeper in from those from that source material and they so, can really stretch it out. Yeah. Speaking of, this is my final one. Bring us home, yes. Roxy. I, I think it's, it's it has a similar type of arc to Lord of the Rings um, in the sense that there's a bit of a redemption song here. But I will go ahead and talk about Star Wars Episode One. Yes, I was bring that up. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised. <laughs> and the crowd I'm, goes quiet. <laughs> I'm surprised that uh, I'm, I'm. I mean, I know we all like. In fact, I don't know what everyone's stances were, but I'm surprised no one brought in the Last Jedi. But I'm surprised it took us this long to get to a Star Wars. Well, yeah. so here's the thing. That's why I'm disappointed in all because of you. perspective <laughs> is the best teacher. Perspective is the best teacher. Yeah, well. To me, Phantom Menace is actually still very watchable uh, I'm talking you about I episode one only. fuck you I'm yes. out yes understood <laughs> only talking about episode one and how all of our hearts were collectively broken yeah even though that preview brought a new hope into our lives pun intended uh, it was it was a complete let you know just right just, uh, you're like what Liam Neeson it's just a nightmare double bladed lightsaber <laughs> yeah oh it's uh, I agree well, it's like not only, unlike any other movie trailer, you had, what, 30 years, 20 years worth of buildup, and then you see a trailer that's like Lucasfilm, and then it's like telling the story of Darth Vader. Like, it sets such an, like, it almost set itself up to fail. Like, there was yeah. no way that you were going to appease everybody with that trailer because there was so much hype around it. And that also, to its detriment, it's a trailer that came out right at the time that the internet started to become a fucking thing mm -hmm. and forums and movie websites yep. like um, and fan edits 
Yeah, and this fan... was the first. I mean, well, next to Batman and Robin, this was the first major movie that like the internet used to like shit on it, basically. Yep. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And it ruined yeah. so many people's lives. Like Jake Lloyd, <laughs> his life got ruined. The guy who played Jar Jar Binks. Oh yeah. Um, that poor guy, like, all he did was, he was just an actor who took a job. He just took a job, and he was like, oh, it's going to launch my career, and it just fucking sunk him. And yep. he almost committed uh, suicide, yeah. He wow. Said he, yeah. He said that he was that depressed. heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, but now he's got a kid, and I think he's doing much better, but I, mean, I, I, feel I agree like with we you, came, Roxy. We came into this episode with kind of, like, a lighthearted sort of premise in talking about, like, oh, you know, yeah, the editing, meh. But, like, this movie in particular had real-life ramifications yeah. for how horrible it was and i think the impact of it just goes to show you how much stake we put into films and how they impact our lives in general and i how much i feel like the movie trailer industry really is playing with fire when they have oh. things like sizzle reels when they have things nah, that are just Roxy. specifically made for them and no. then they set up the movie to essentially fail I, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll back her up. Hold on. The, the, with, when you have a trailer for a trailer, like we're in an age now where that is such a big deal is to give them a trailer that's going to bring butts into seats. That is what their goal is. That's what the marketing team is trying to do. And I agree with you, Roxy, that I think that it's setting up a precedent for the people who are trying to watch these movies. Like it's going to play into them. And like, <clears throat> like look at the divisiveness of, of The Last Jedi. Like that trailer brought everyone together and they're like oh yeah like i can't wait and like everyone had their own set of expectations about what was going to happen and then they go and see this movie but it's like it it it, it breeds this sort of feeling inside of you of of, of uh i think it, like and this goes into like the the whole conversation about like toxic fandom which is it breeds uh ownership you know, it's like you see a movie trailer and you're watching it and you're like, oh, my God, that's so good. Like, I know it's going to be good. Like, I am already behind this thing. And you all you've seen is two minutes. Yeah. It's like misery. We're yeah. all. It, yeah. It's very it's true. But we're also yeah. I think that to to kind of counter what Roxy was saying, we're all getting a little snowflakey about this. <laughs> advertising has lied to us since the beginning of advertising. Hey, you've red cigarettes eaten, are great for you. You have never fucking eaten a burger that looked like the burger on a McDonald's commercial um, since as the, the 50s. lone woman in the room, you're speaking to an entire gender who's been lied to about advertising. Yeah. Advertising for women alone is a complete shit show. Well, like I completely yeah. agree mm -hmm. with you on that. In that sense, it's consumerism. Yeah. It's consumer at its worst and it's well, also, a, and it's a consumerism that nobody really like qualifies as being like a, a typical consumer like it's not a coke ad you're watching a movie so it's entertainment value and it's escapism it but is, they're but they're selling the you a product you can't yeah. use the same advertising style for products and services that you do for so. advertising art it doesn't make sense brian yeah that is all true and i think though what we're starting to really really trying trying to learn starting to learn i should say is that, yes, you can have the best marketing. You can market the shit out of the movie, but truth be told, the most powerful element of selling a film is actually word of mouth. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. not, you can get every as many butts as, to the seats as you can for opening day, mm -hmm. but if that film doesn't deliver, you're not gonna get the extra amount of money for Saturday or Sunday or for the next week and the week after that. Yep. It's all about word of mouth and in a way, it's kind of a good thing because the internet has made us more aware of that. We now are putting the pressure on filmmakers, and I include studios in that 
grouping because they are filmmakers, even though they're looking at largely from a business perspective and from an art perspective, they are still filmmakers. It's Very pushing true. them. It's pushing them to make a more genuine product. Like oh, you yeah. can't, you can't, mm, you can't sprinkle <laughs> glitter on shit. And then, but Brian, but Brian, all summer they're think, sprinkling. Oh my god, it doesn't. I thought this wasn't going to be shit, but it's I will totally tell you shit. This. The, the last couple of summers, they have put movies out there that have just failed spectacularly because they do. They they sprinkle glitter on shit a lot. But, and, they ha- and they've continued to do that, and they will continue to do that because people will buy it. Yeah, but if Dave, you're missing good my enough, point. You're missing my point. My point is I'm saying we're now seeing that. We're now seeing that. We're no, in but, the early I think I would over. argue that we've that we've been seeing it for years. Like You, yeah, you Brian, can't tell me that what? 10 years ago that we saw Brian. a movie that looked like shit. Brian is now seeing it, is what he's saying. <laughs> what I'm saying the is rest like, of us caught on earlier. Like, I'm saying, like, we, that's the whole reason why we went to the drive-ins. It was like, we went to go see movies that we knew were not going to be, like, worth going to see for a full price ticket. Like, that was the whole point. And the thing is, is mm-hmm. that they're always going to continue to do that because, A, those movies are probably cheaper to produce. B, they probably have a start, like... I haven't seen the movie. I, I want to see it because it looks like it might be fun, but like The Meg, like oh, I'm yeah. sure that movie fits the bill of exactly what we're talking about, which is they they sold it. But the thing is, is that they sold it exactly, like they weren't trying to sell it as like this, you know, the second coming of Jaws and, and, and Jason Statham is going to be a family man. Like they sold it as it's a Jason Statham movie fighting a shark. Like <laughs> that is all you needed to know. And you watch and you go like, cool, I'm going to, I'm going to watch him fight a shark. That's fine. I watched him have sex. Sharks to keep his heart up. That's fine. And if you Jason honest, Statham roundhouse, kiss. that's my point is when you honestly market a movie, you, as long as you're honest with your audience of what they're expecting, they'll go with you. Look at snakes on a plane, <laughs> snakes on a plane. They were going to call it Pacific flight One Twenty One. And yes, they were. Sam Jackson is like, no, call it motherfucking snakes on a plane. <laughs> and it's because that's like, okay, you know what? Psychopath, snakes, plane. That's what I expect to see. And I saw it. I got and I was well, very like, happy. To bring back the, the Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad trailer was deceiving. It was a trailer that showed you like this great barrage of images set to a really cool set of tunes and you're watching it going like, oh, this is going to be fun. Like, look at how much fun they're having. And then you watch it and it's nothing like what you saw in the trailer. Like they cut it like it was the trailer because it was very yep. frenetic and there was a lot of music. I mean, the, the 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 amount of different music cues that they had in that first 10 minutes alone was like, what is happening? Like, this is just an overload of senses. But I'm just saying like, there are certain trailer houses that will do it and they will, they will pitch to you exactly what that movie is going to be and you know watching it going like okay i know what kind of movie i'm going to get out of this and then there are others that because either they a don't know what the movie is and they still are trying to figure that out and they have to make a deadline to show a trailer or b they know it's a they know it's not going to be good and so they need to be able to get your butts in the seat for that opening weekend because if they can make their money back on the opening weekend then the, the you know the 50% drop off or the 60% yep. drop off the next weekend doesn't matter to them you know what they yep, should just very do true. i really wish that they would just make the movies that they previewed in tropic thunder <laughs> <laughs> there you go I think that the people that edit these trailers together are just uninspired. They don't want to take the time to actually communicate the themes of this movie. They don't want to watch the whole film and figure out a clever way to communicate the themes without giving away too much and get people in there. It's easier for them to just smash cut titties, explosion, fucking Tom Cruise's face, uh, large text, Hans Zimmer drum, done. 
And then the movie preview guy's voice. In a world. That might be the episode title. Titty's explosions, Tom Cruise's face. (laughs) That's great. Oh, man. Don't you guys miss the movie announcer guy? You really don't have him anymore. Well, because he's dead. That's why. He's dead, Roxy. Wasn't it Don Parcell or something? No, uh, Don LaFontaine. Don LaFontaine. They had a guy that, well, actually, the guy that does it now, he's not as big. Um, is well, Pablo uh, Francisco actually covered for him once. Yeah, Pablo Francisco. He, well, there's, he did the voice there's an actual him. voiceover artist named John Bailey who does like the honest trailers, and like I think oh. he's actually gone and done actual trailers. Like that's oh his goal. God. Honest trailers um, are my favorite. But like, yeah, when Don, when the original movie announcer guys left, like now they're like just text. Like, I mean, you have to give them credit. They they want you to read, and so it's like you obviously like those like text cards that come in. It's like one man, one woman true love and it's just like you know it's it's i i will agree roxy i do miss that man yeah in a world right yeah well on that then so shall we get to feedback let's do it yeah let's do it listener feedback yeah all right this one is from elizabeth marie elizabeth marie sent us a message on facebook and uh, we don't get the Facebook messages as much. But you know what? It's really convenient. It's better than sending us an email because they don't get lost so well. Facebook's really good about organizing your messages and things in your inbox for you to see. So. Surprise. Kids today, they usually use the Snapchats and the Instagram. They're using the Snapchat. She gave us a feedback, but it disappeared after 24 hours. And now it never will exist again. <laughs> and she was Just like the picture of my balls that I sent to my girlfriend. That's all that Snapchat is. Send in your genitals. To the people you're fucking, and so they can't keep it forever. Unless they know how to do a screenshot, morons. Anyway, (laughs) feedback from Elizabeth Marie says, Hi, nerds. I wanted to start off by congratulating the newly marrieds, Brian and Vanessa, as well as Dave and his wife. Also, thank you so much for uploading Sean's best man toast. It was the funniest semi-offensive, in parentheses, CTE jokes, really, thing that I've heard in a long time. It was also pretty much perfect. I just finished listening to the gangster movie episode and was surprised to find a Bronx tale so late into it. As a New York Italian, mafia movies are a big deal. I am not, however, a fan of the genre because it glamorizes awful crimes. When your entire neighborhood acts like the Gambinos, Gotti in particular, are the second coming that shit gets old quick. Hmm. There, uh, there was even a parade down Metropolitan Avenue after John Gotti died in 2002. The wow. one good thing that Giuliani ever did, you know, before he drank the Trump Kool-Aid, wow. <laughs> was ridding wow. the city of much of its organized crime. That's amazing. Uh, anyway, sorry. Anyway, the one gangster movie I actually liked was A Bronx Tale, probably because C's father tried to keep him out of what of uh, tried to keep him out of that life. My grandfather was the same way. Hmm. He wanted to be as far from the mafia as he could get while still playing poker with them. Uh, time to time back in the 50s. From time to time back in the 50s. Fun fact, my great uncle is mentioned in Murder, Inc., a book about the New York City mafia scene in the 50s. Whoa. Holy shit, I gotta read that. He was not mobbed up, much to his daughter's consternation. I blame the Godfather. He just played enough poker with them to be worth a mention. Wow. She also wanted to mention that her love for Joe Pesci comes from the Lethal Weapon movies, or at least it did before I had to stop watching them, thanks to the giant douche canoe that is Mel Gibson. (laughs) (laughs) Douche canoe. (laughs) His scenes were always the best, at least still, uh, at least Sorry. At least I still have my cousin Vinny, and yes, I do have a cousin named Vinny. Holy shit! 
Okay. If you haven't okay. seen Jersey okay. Boys, okay. 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 Uh, if you haven't seen Jersey Boys, you probably aren't aware of the role he is playing uh, is uh, bringing Frankie Valley at the Force uh, and the Four Seasons together. He is actually one uh, the one who brought Frankie Valley and Bob Guadio, the two youngest members of the group. Guadio only being fifteen when he joined the group. This okay, it kind of it kind of got a little crazy. Oh. Anyway, I really li- I I respond to her. I responded to her because I love a Bronx Tale. It's awesome. It's an awesome movie because it is totally different. It's about this kid being seduced kind of by the mob lifestyle and to have Robert De Niro play this, you know, upstanding bus driver father who doesn't want his son to find the easy way out and to actually just work hard for what he wants. And the fucking door test. Oh, my God. We didn't talk about the door test from A Bronx Tale, which that shit works, and you should definitely use it. (laughs) The door test? The door test. Yes, the door test is... When you get out of, uh, when you're gonna go pick up a lady for a first date, you get out of the car, you lock both doors. <laughs> this is back in what the '60s, so you had to lock them manually. <laughs> you go to the young lady you're about to start dating. You open, you unlock her door, you open the door for her, you let her in the car. While you walk around to your door, if she doesn't reach over and pull the lock up for you out of courtesy, she ain't worth nothing. Aww. You don't want to go on a second date with her. She's inconsiderate. Nowadays, everybody has a remote on their fucking keys, so it doesn't matter. But I figured it was a really good test at the time. That's amazing. That's good. Thank you for that little tidbit. Yeah, my wife doesn't let me open the door. Every time I try to do it, she's like, I can open my own door. I mean, she's kidding, of course, but Um, I'm like... Hello, independent women. I'm I'm not against it. You know what I say, Dave? I say you kick Hillary right in her pantsuit over Ah! there. This next piece of feedback is from Laura Rose. It is titled The VCR Incident. I love the VHS episode and I also love the page master. All my friends are having babies and I insist on unleashing the epicness of this movie to them. When I was three, I decided to put my hand in the VCR. It got (laughs) stuck. No! My grand got really panicked (laughs) because it was new and phoned all my family. Everyone had their own solution, hammering, buttering, etc. It quickly became chaos. My grandfather came home from work and very calmly pushed the eject button, and my hand came out with a noise we know so well. There was a silence, a rarity for my family, and this story is still laughed at today. Love Laura Rose. That I love is that. That's so relatable, Laura Rose. You're more. You know how many VHS tapes I've broken with that freaking thing. Like it happens more than I like to admit. Yeah, and there's a reason. For... Yeah, there's a reason why they made VCRs with that panel removable for so many years. Yeah. The top panel. Uh, we have one more that we're going to share for this episode from John Cutting, because <gasps> we asked him. We gave him a challenge during the wedding episode <laughs> to go out with a bang for a while and give us one mega mashup of all the movies we were talking about. So great. So this is this feedback is called Muriel's Bridesmaids Big Fat Hungover Corpse Wedding Crashers Meet the Parents. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nerds, this is such a ridiculous stretch, but I tried my best to combine the seven wedding movies into one plot summary. Good on you, man. This is really not another wedding movie, but all the good jokes will be spoiled in the trailer, and we'll have a theatrical run from August 25th through August 27th. But of course. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Uh, Muriel's bridesmaids, big fat, hungover corpse wedding crashers meet the parents. A young social outcast in Australia steals money from her parents to finance a vacation to Las Vegas with her bridesmaids friend before their best friend's wedding. There, they wake up from a night of partying with no memory of the previous night and the maid of honor, male nurse Greg Fokker, missing. 
To find Greg, the friends enlist the help of a pair of committed womanizers who uh, snuck into the rehearsal dinner to take advantage of the romantic tinge in the air. But the group finds themselves at odds with one another, the Las Vegas citizens, and the cultural heritage of the bride's suspicious Greek parents who rose from the grave (laughs) to walk their daughter down the aisle. Wow. Okay. (laughs) The seven movies included, of course, are Muriel's Wedding, The Wedding Crashers, uh, yes. The Hangover, uh, the uh, sorry, Meet the Parents, Corpse Bride, Bridesmaids, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, and you can probably also sneak in My Best Friend's Wedding there as well because of the going to their friend's wedding, and also right. probably is, Man of Honor because there's the male maid of honor kind of are concept we, in there Are we too. sure that John Cutting is not like the computer that like watches a thousand hours of Olive Garden commercials and <laughs> that's like not spits real, out though. a script? The Twitter that's, bot. Not, that's not real. Keaton Patty just does that as a... As a, as a <sighs> Brian, Brian, can you why just, do you gotta just... Can you just let me make a joke? Sorry. Sorry. Let oh. jokes happen, you salty fuck. What's the deal with airplane food? Well, airplane food comes from a company, and there's people that work there, Dave. Brian Moriarty, the human pretzel. You flavorless, Jesus. salty bastard. What's the deal with Chicken McNuggets? Well, McDonald's has this product that they call Chicken McNuggets. And they sell to children. Shut the fuck. First off, calm the fuck down. Second of off, yes, go ahead and tell your joke again. It's okay. Well, now it's gone. <laughs> the food is gone. You killed it. Oh, John Cutting, God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, John. And we apologize for Brian fucking ruining your shit. <laughs> I didn't ruin his shit. I ruined, ruined Dave's it. joke. Oh, that's no. all. Yes, ruined. yes, yes, yes. All right, guys. If you want to send us feedback, what do they got to do, Brian? Well, they can go to Deuteronomy.com and click on that Talk to Us link, which will send us all an email to our inboxes, or they can follow us on our social media at Facebook, at uh, on Twitter, and on Instagram, just at Deuteronomy. Google it. You'll find us. I promise you. Do it now. Um, while you're at the website, you could also support us by either buying a t-shirt or giving us a donation. The podcast um, is run by you guys, really honestly, because we get your suggestions for, for episodes. And we need your money to help keep the podcast going. We just bought a mic for Gina, actually, because she's mm-hmm. going to be doing some remote episodes upcoming. Yeah. And that was made possible mm-hmm. because of listener donations. Because of viewers like you. Viewers exactly. like you. Oh, God damn it. So you help, <laughs> you help us keep this podcast going. But most importantly, what you can do is you can spread the word of nerd like a bird turd. <laughs> uh, tell your friends, family, elected officials, clergymen... Uh, I think you should also do Nerdonomy-themed porn on Pornhub Community, Rule 34. <laughs> if you want to do, like, a porn version of John Cutting's mashup of movies and tag Nerdonomy in it, as long as, you know... Oh, my God. You do the... It's, it's stuff going into other stuff. I am so frightened right now because <laughs> now that you've said that, some fucker somewhere is going to do it. And Honestly, I just feel like make it's a gay be- porn where somebody plays Dave and somebody plays me and we fuck. Or or they do like a weird sibling incest. Why do they have to play? It's Let's just Sean do it. Ear fucking David. I mean, not ear David. fucking David. Sean ear oh fucking my. Brian. I really Whoa! No, their ear holes aren't big enough. <laughs> Either way, there's going to be a threesome out there somewhere with the three of you. Jesus. Yep. Uh, <laughs> nerds. Pornhub community, we- everybody. Pornhub community. <laughs> wonderful i hope ellie has stopped listening at this point uh, yeah yeah oh boy she's got more <laughs> feedback for us uh just gonna throw that out there uh dave thanks for being on this episode you're gonna stick around for a little bit you know i don't know maybe oh, maybe. See what happens. <laughs> maybe oh he's gonna be all butter because i killed his Someone's joke got some apologizing um, to do looking at you moriarty what's oh, the deal boy. with frosties 
<laughs> oh my god get us out of here but Brian. dave well actually, frosties uh, are just ice cream, cream that's uh, actually, extruded oh, through Brian, our Moriarty, pull this car over right now Shut i want to get out nobody cares that you know things <laughs> i want to get off this ride right now nobody cares that you know things <laughs> well actually uh that you can't you know people didn't actually die in disneyland they did die in disneyland but if you uh if you look at uh club 33's charter in article 4 uh, da- uh paragraph d-7 <laughs> you are jerry lewis at the beginning of the original nutty professor is what you, you are. are the nutty professor uh okay guys we're gonna get out and of here and i love you <laughs> i yeah. love you too oh forgiveness Guys, we gotta get out of here. We're having way too much fun. So until we meet again, stay nerdy and tune into our next exciting episode. Same nerd time, same nerd channel. Nerdonomy.com. See ya. Bye. You are a disappointment, Brian. And roll credits. And now, famous movie quotes you should not say during sex. The sun, for millions of years, the source of life. But for one planet, the source of its demise. Ew, what is happening? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Do you have an iPhone charger?